Welcome once again to another episode of the Retro Redoctopus Cephala Podcast, part of the Inebriart Podcast Network, the only show where old is new, new is old, and so are we. I am your host of the moment, Parasite Steve, and with me as always are my carbon-based cohorts, Boss Rush Mode. I have done questionable things. 8-Bit Alchemy. You shot my kitchen. I did no such thing. And Nintendo. Honestly, I don't know how you made it through the Crusades. Yeah, I mean, I don't even re- the whole thing's a blur. Honestly. I mean, to be honest, to be honest, it was uh, it was during the '80s. There was a lot of cocaine. I'm not saying I did the cocaine. There was just a lot of it around. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was present. It was it was, it was all a lot. Secondhand, there was just right? a lot. Second <laughs> second secondhand, secondhand cocaine. cocaine. Yeah, it was like the final scene in Star Scarface. I mean, it was, it was like a decent amount. Um, so yeah, welcome once again to another episode. We are taking a little bit. Different tactic this week. Uh, we are going to be paying tribute to one of my favorite actors of all time who recently passed away, Mr. Rudger Hauer. And uh, this, is, uh, this is a guy who I was always a really, really big fan of. And um, I know that the other guys in, in, the, in the podcast are uh, also uh, fans. Uh, Definitely. Absolutely. Big fan. I don't want to speak for you, but so... Uh, Love Rutger. Definitely a big fan. Rutger Got you know, three, three huge blades that spin around real fast and I'm keep a, them cool. I'm about like 93% a fan. That's, that's, a, that's a good amount. Yeah, I mean, what's that's, the other 7%? Amount. That's a good no, amount. It's just like okay. Just yeah. Indifferent. Okay. okay. Yeah, indifferent. It's a fan that's turned off. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. Power so, save mode. So yeah, <laughs> I, thought, well, I thought what we would do um, this week is kind of, you know, I'm going to talk about uh, some childhood experiences, like wh- why I was a fan of this guy. And uh, I want to kind of go through the important films. Uh, I, I should say the films that were important to me. And these are all films that we four have all sort of uh, recently rewatched. Not that all of us have seen all of these movies, but every one that I'm going to cover has been seen by one or two of us uh, in the last couple of weeks, kind of gearing up to this. Because this, this sort of, you know, this, this topic was reactionary, obviously, because uh, he just passed away. So, um yeah, so uh, that sound good to you guys? Sounds sure like a plan. Okay, cool. So we'll have to do. I'm gonna just kind of drop must. some factoids on you to start things off. Um, Rutger Olson Hauer. He was born January 23rd, um, 1944, in a little town called Brukellen in the Netherlands. So he was Dutch. For those who weren't quite sure, um, he also spoke a bunch of languages. Uh, I know he spoke fluent German. At which he said was as good as his English. Um, and I did see an interview. He was saying that he had actually been speaking English for 20 years at the time of Blade Runner in 1982. So he that's why speaks he really... It, speaks it better than I do. Yeah, he, he, had a, he, he, was, he had a mastery of the language. I mean, he had a very slight accent that sort of came and went in different movies. But sometimes it was so perfect, almost, that you'd... you'd Completely forget he wasn't American. Didn't even know in he fact, was Dutch. In fact, he played Americans a lot. You know, it wasn't even like they they wrote into the character that he was he was foreign. Sometimes they did that too. Right. But sometimes he was just flat out yeah. American. Yeah. No. He has totally, totally yeah. believable American accent. Pretty very cool. good. Yeah. And he was uh, he was definitely uh, in my opinion um, 
I think he excelled at being uh, at his villain work, in my opinion. Any time mm. where he was really like, um, you know, trying to get 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 across the psychosis of whatever his character was was going through, um, he played he played crazy baddies really, really insanely well. Yeah. Uh, later in life, he sort of uh, took to doing what a lot of a lot of actors do, and you know, uh, when they when they fall from the spotlight, you know, he he did a lot of. Uh, B movies and uh, a lot of you know stuff that isn't as up to the caliber as his original stuff that he was known for. But you know the guy kept acting over over fifty one years of being in the business. He he acted between nineteen sixty eight and two thousand and nineteen. There's stuff that still hasn't come out yet. Uh, he acted in one hundred and seventy three projects, wow. and that includes film and TV. That is like three and a half movies a year. It's a lot. It's insane. That's, that's nuts. I mean, some, I don't know. I feel like some people out there don't, wouldn't even know Rutger Hauer by name, right? Like a lot of people that are in like our circle, fans of the show, I'm sure are familiar mm-hmm. with him. But there's a lot of people out there who you could grow up to on the street and be like, what do you think of Rutger Hauer? And they probably wouldn't even know who you're talking about. And this dude has been in almost 200 movies. Right. Like that is unbelievably awesome. That is such an impressive number. And I mean, really a lot of his films are are noteworthy and stand the test of time and there's really been some, you know, some some big ones that he's been in. Uh and then, you know, a lot of the the kind of side B movie stuff are still really fun to go back and revisit as I don't know, we've all experienced kind of watching his back catalog. Yeah, I mean, I I personally had a lot of fun. There was not a single movie that I rewatched that I had changed my opinion on and yeah, suddenly yeah, didn't I like. liked all of right, the ones yeah. I watched. Um, but uh, just a couple more factoids. Uh, he actually, I thought this was really funny. He was considered for uh, the role of Martin Riggs in Lethal Weapon. Oh, cool. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which is pretty <laughs> funny. And that, that? Uh, that happened, Riggs. I don't know when Lethal Weapon 1 came out. But he was in Lady Hawk, which was uh, directed by Richard Donner as well. Uh, so I'm not sure if, like, he worked with Richard Donner in Lady Hawk, and then he was considered for Lethal Weapon or vice versa. If you guys want to look up what year Lethal Weapon came out, I can't remember. I, yeah, I'm I not sure about Lethal up. Weapon, but wasn't Lady Hawk like 85 or something? Uh, Lady Hawk was 85, yeah. Okay. Um, he was also, um, supposedly, Anne Rice said this in an interview in the early 90s, that uh, when she was writing the books in the 70s, that her original choice for Lestat, what she was picturing as she was writing the character, was actually Redger Hauer. Okay. Wow. And I guess, that is uh, so crazy. There's yeah. uh, a lot of... there's there's uh, um, I, I read that this was true, and then I read it was misinformation, and then I read it was like, well, it's like partially true, but apparently later she had said she really wanted Julian Sands, the guy who played the Warlock... Warlock. Yeah. To play Lestat, but I think that was talking about the movie that she had said she she thought he would have been a good Lestat, but at the time when that came out, Rudger Hauer was too old to play the part for sure. But it had to come out in the seventies in his prime. He was still in his thirties. That's a different story. But it wouldn't have made any sense for Lestat to be a guy in his fifties. So right. you know, uh, I, 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 I think got the that, year, by the way. Well, oh, for, what year for, was it? For Lethal Weapon? Uh, 1987. Oh, okay. okay. So Lady Hawk came first, so that's probably why, you know, obviously he knew Richard Donner at that point. But, um, but yeah, so I think that that's pretty fun. He was in so, the Donner party. Yes. He was invited. Tee. Um, 
Which is really funny, right? Like, can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine the role of Riggs being played My by God, anyone? I know. What if right. Rutger Hauer was but, but Riggs Gibson. and, and I mean, Lethal Weapon? Crazy. Like, holy cow! I know. What a different movie those would have been. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know. Totally. It's it's crazy. Um, but yeah, that's fun to think about. It's always fun to think about. Like, oh, Burt Reynolds is Han Solo, huh? <laughs> yeah, like it almost God. happened. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right. Um, he also was and Michael Keaton is Batman. Holy crap! That would have been wild, huh? Woo! <clears throat> Near miss. <laughs> Um, he also actually set up an AIDS research foundation called the Rutger Hauer Starfish Foundation, um, which is that, way dirtier sounding than it actually is. I know. It's, I'm sure there's a, a not dirty reason why it's called the Starfish Foundation. I'm sure. Why don't you want to um, let you continue? Uh, but yeah, so that's that's pretty cool. And uh, in the year 1999, uh, I'm sure he was partying, but he was also uh, amidst <laughs> the parties. He was named by the Dutch public as the best Dutch actor of the century. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. I mean, I don't yeah. know how many people I mean, who's the Dutch second, Republic who, who's, name that. Who's second but. place? Go. You I can't yeah, name I mean, we wouldn't know, but obviously, you know, he did a lot of Dutch movies. Yeah. Right. And right. and yeah, I, I know a lot of um, a lot of people who are like musicians and and stuff who grew up in the Netherlands and Dutch and things like that revered Rutger Hauer. Like he yeah. was a superstar to people. Right. He was in, like the Brad Pitt. Where, yeah. was, where was Dolph Lundgren born? Uh, he's. Swedish. Oh, okay. I think. With that name, I wasn't sure. Yeah, Swedish seems right, but I'll I, check I th- that. I think Dolph Lundgren's Swedish. But e- either way, so, you know, Riker's still the man. Um, but, yeah. Um, so yeah, he's, he's Swedish. Okay. He's Swedish. Yeah. I know, I know his real name's Hans. Oh. Yep. Hans, a.k.a. Dolph. <laughs> because, you know, <laughs> because when you can go by Dolph, why wouldn't you? <laughs> why yeah. wouldn't you? Especially if you're uh, a part dolphin. Right. I, mean, it, I mean, there's no reason not to do with that. Part Dolph, case. all Lundgren. He was, he, was, he was either Dolph or Finn. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. Those are your two options. And Finn was way too much like a real name. Or like Clyde. Right, yeah. And that's really more, that brings to mind like Orange or Ghosts. Alp. Really, more. Alp is yeah. just right out. I would, yeah. yeah. Pac-Man Ghosts for Clyde, really. I would say. But, um, yeah, so I don't know. That, that, that's kind of some factoids for you. As far as like why... Uh, why I got into, you know, this guy's stuff. I, you know, it's really funny. Um, this is not necessarily one of the movies I wanted to spotlight, but um, there was this little movie that came out called Cross Worlds, and I think it was uh, about 96. And I think it was a made-for-TV movie. It was kind of weird. It was kind of like an urban sorcerer sort of a thing, and there were different dimensions or whatever. And uh, it was it was cheesy, but, uh, you know, I saw it, and, and uh, I just, it also has, like, an unknown Jack Black in it very briefly at oh, the wow. beginning and at the end. Um, but it's a fun movie, and I just loved his character so much. And I remember seeing this with my mom, and so just a little bit of a little bit of a backstory here. Like, so, Ape bit Alchemy and I are brothers. So our mom has always been a a huge movie fan, and. She would latch on to certain actors the way that I inevitably ended up doing with certain people, uh, where you sort of like someone a lot, and then you're like, okay, well, now I want to see like everything they've done. You know, and you sort of yep. like, you know, yep. go exactly. down the Because that's hole. a great way to curate a list of like, okay, there's a million movies out there. Why not explore movies that all have a guy I really like? Exactly. Like it's, it's just exactly. an easy, natural thought, right? And it also always stinks when you like you do that with an actor and actors like, oh, going to the IMDb, oh, 17 results. Oh, all right. Well, it's not going to take me long to get through that person's catalog. Right. right. <laughs> or sometimes they have really varied catalogs and you're like, wow, I guess I only like two of their movies. <laughs> right. 
And I mean, actually, in this case, you know, Rudger Hauer had a very varied catalog, I mean, for sure. But what we would do at, at, you know, in the mid 90s, since there's no Netflix and, and Amazon Prime, you know, we would go to the mall and we'd go to Suncoast. And she would try to remember other movies that she really liked because she had always liked Rudger Hauer a lot. And so when I saw Crossworlds and I was like, who's this dude? He plays A.T. That's his name, A.T. And uh, he's like kind of the Gandalf of the movie. And uh, Gandalf? Yeah, Gandalf. Gandalf. Uh, and he, uh, he's, he's just really cool. I don't know. I just really liked him. And so she's like, oh, Rudger Hauer. Well, you know, we... we we can go find a bunch more movies. You know, he's got a, like a, a ton of cool stuff. So we went through and we like saw a bunch of movies that she remembered. And then we found a bunch more. And basically the only one that I ended up remembering having forgotten about was Lady Hawk. That was a movie that she's like, Oh, you remember Lady Hawk. Right. And I'm like, what is that? She's like, Oh, you know, it's the one with the, the guy turns into a wolf and Michelle Pfeiffer's in it. She turns into a hawk and you know, she turns into a hawk at night. I'm like, Oh, oh my God. That, or in the day, rather. I'm like, I do remember this, but I was a little kid when it came out in, in the 80s and stuff. So I'm like, you know, this this is something I do remember and remember liking, but I completely forgot about. Right. Completely. Yeah. It yeah. was out of my brain. Completely until dormant memory that you never would have thought of on your own, but right. then you get reminded and you're like, oh my God, yeah. So totally then it was like, that. oh, we got to see Lady Hawk. So then it became where like, oh my God, Lady Hawk is like my favorite. So... Um, I it is a really, great movie. Yeah, it's yeah, really totally fun. Awesome. And we'll get, to, we'll get to it in time for sure. But, like, you know, it was just this sort of uh, a thing that happened in, in the 90s. And it was a me and my mom sort of a thing. And we had a really good time. You know, we got to bond over this, this actor. And we... we Hutker, Rauer. We, yeah. We loved going Rauer. to the store and we loved finding new stuff. And, and every single time, I remember there was one that she was like, oh, but the, there's this one where he's in this movie and, and it's like uh, Kathleen Turner and, and they're eagles. And I, I don't know, there's eagles. And it took us forever before we finally, finally found out, again, there's no internet, that that movie was called A Breed Apart. And so we were like looking for A Breed Apart for ever oh my god it was like the it was the it was the 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 holy grail we couldn't find the damn thing and um we ended up finding it and it was a it wasn't quite as good as she remembered it but (laughs) we had fun but it was just this like oh my god we finally found a breed of parts amazing you just feel so satisfied when at that point in time so hard to come by random information about movies it's like oh my god good luck trying to figure it out exactly you just and gotta it, scour the yeah. list or, or ask somebody at suncoast or whatever and hope right. they know yeah do you yeah. remember this movie kathleen turner and Rutger hauer and their eagles it's like you know the, the guy at suncoast is your google you know he's like oh i, don't, I just work here yeah. right uh, do you know where the mongols ruled china it's like they don't know they never know um, but yeah so i don't know i i just uh not to get too sappy but it, it is sort of this this emotional thing and you know when he passed away a few weeks ago um i i didn't talk to my mom that day but she called me the next day and we had a long conversation and we were just reminiscing about uh the, you know the the good old days that i'm talking about and and just remembering different different movies we had seen and the ones we liked and 
And uh, so, I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those things, you know, uh, there's a lot more important things going on in the world right now than, you know, the death of uh, somebody who's an actor. Um, but it is something that uh, that kind of hit me pretty hard because I was such a fan and there is that like emotional tie. Absolutely. So um, anyway, so that's it. Uh, I don't want to continue to be sappy the whole time, but um, that's what Roger Howard means to me. So um, I always felt like... Uh, to end it, and I, I will open this up. The reason why I think I was drawn to him so much is I, I, I think he had that, uh, as the French say, a certain I don't know what. Yeah. That's what they say. Um, I think he has like presence. Uh, he's very unique. Like looking. Santa. Yeah, like, just like Santa. Yeah, a lot like he's Santa. Dutch Santa. Yeah. yeah he <laughs> has a, he's also fair skinned and he has fair hair and stuff. I, like, I, I don't know. I assume Santa is. I have no idea, actually. But uh, we've never met. His hair seems fair. But, you know, uh, he also had, he was the master of what uh, I always called the Rudger Hauer smirk, (laughs) which is like this sort of secret smile that he would like just fall into in the weirdest moments where no other actor would think to put a smirk there. It was the smolder before the smolder. Yeah. Like he's, he's, he's finding something funny. Where there is no humor. He's like, I know something that you don't yeah, know. Yeah, and he was just the master of that. And that really just uh, worked. He got worked into like almost every performance. Uh, he always, at one point or another, it's like, you know, drink a game whenever he does a smirk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. He really, uh, he was just a cool guy. I, I you know, uh, as far as well, acting performance-wise, like I said, I think he excelled. I think he was the master at playing um you know, crazies, crazy and stuff bien. like that. But he actually, he actually uh, liked playing good guys. I think more from what I was reading. But um, but anyway, so so tell me, you you guys, I'll shut up for a minute. So like, obviously, this isn't just about me. So what do you guys remember about him in general? And like, why did you like him, like at all? Well, I was introduced to him uh, by you and your mom, and you guys were just talking about him so much. You're like, hey, let's watch Lady Hawk. Okay, cool. And I remember really liking Lady Hawk, and I haven't seen it since then. I mean, I really wanted to watch it. And then, uh, and then uh, we saw uh, Bleeders. I remember you. Yes. you I remember you getting that, and I, I remember distinctly uh, the the VHS box had like fake blood, had like a little pack of like fake blood that on it. VHS yes. box was the coolest thing, and I always wanted to watch it, but I was too young. But I would just take the tape out and play around with the fake blood. VHS yep. box is that like one of Microsoft's early consoles? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, back in the VHS box days. Put, yeah. Put those that games was, in that was those, those games were only one button play. <laughs> yeah, just play button. <laughs> that was even before the Jungle Cats started oh happening. Goodness, right? Yeah. You had to worry about tracking. Please yeah. be kind. Remember the rewind. tracking button. Right. Yeah the uh, the the VHX box had like a little bit like it had an extra piece of plastic over the cover, and it just created this like barely there at all pocket. And it it had a little bit of red stuff in there, and you could just move it around. Yeah, it was really it was weird. Such a neat yeah. concept for such a lame movie. Lame movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't very good. We were it. like so stoked for it. Like <laughs> I know because it was right the Howard in the store. And like, I think I think we bought. I think I bought that at like Blockbuster. Oh, maybe. And, and we'd always be like bleeders. <laughs> we, were, we were pumped. We were so pumped for it and stuff. Like and, every time someone's like dying, bleeders. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Like that, and that goes to show you how attitude makes a difference as a fan. If you're sitting down and the movie sucks, you can still have a good time. If your arms aren't crossed, like if you're there with a, a friend and that you have the right mindset, like yep. it's 
anything it's still can be fun. Right. Incredibly. Right. Sometimes I would say more fun. I was right. Actually, absolutely. I was actually really disappointed that I didn't have a chance to watch it before this podcast. I also did not rewatch. Yeah. yeah I really, I really wanted to watch it again to see if I liked it more this time it was, around. It was or? basically like uh, inbred mutants. It was like the hills yeah, have yeah. eyes, but um, a little different. Kind of, kind of that basic idea. There were some, there were some good monsters in it, though. Yeah, but um, yeah. What about what are you, Bosch Mush? Uh, I mean, I've seen a handful of his movies, not a ton of his movies, and I, I do remember. Oh man, it's probably about twenty, twenty-five years ago. It's a guy I used to work with, you know, hand, you know, many jobs ago. That actually, there was like a Rutger Hauer kick that he and I went on, and uh, I don't remember exactly all the movies we saw. I mean, I know we saw Split Second. I know we saw um, Flesh and Blood, and uh, we probably saw Blind Fury, and um, two of those movies I saw again recently. Not not Flesh and Blood though, and I was like, oh yeah, this guy's pretty cool. But I was kind of, it was always kind of, I like this guy's a pretty cool actor. I like I like some of his movies, but he was never like a mega star. Right. So I was always right, kind of surprised right. by that. I was like, oh, I wonder why this guy hasn't been in like super duper movies. But I mean, he's still great. He's still in a bunch of movies, obviously. And yeah, and he did. He had his day of making a list American movies. But oh, yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. Totally. He never became like. Yeah, but he wasn't like Ford. Jack Nicholson or right. like you know, absolutely or Mel Gibson or anything like that. Which is a shame. Yeah, I would call him a triple B actor. A yeah, triple B or a double A maybe. Right, or maybe double A. Like, like you have A list, you have B list, but like Rutgers like. B plus list. Yeah. She's triple B. You know, it's not triple A. And he was also uh, sort of in that same, uh, I put, I put like Christopher Lee into this category and also David, uh. David Warner, uh, where these, these actors who it didn't matter how crappy the movie was. Like it could be yeah. uh, the this. howling to your sister is a werewolf and yep. Christopher Lee is not going to phone it in. No, he's no, not. I was, I was just thinking this. Yeah, yeah, every role that Rutger had, it's like this dude acted his heart out every yep. time. Every no time. matter There's never what? a performance every where time. you're like, wow, Rutger really sucked in this. It's like, right. no. That, that never he's happened. always good. Even, yeah. even those movies where he's in for like five minutes, he's like, he's Yeah, he on. just does his thing and does it well, and he's just saying, hey, whatever. If I'm here for like 50 minutes, for five minutes, whatever, I'm just going to give my all. Exactly. He was an actor, an artist, through and through. He, he was a pro. He's, he's a, a god pro, dang pro. That's right. Of the ilk that we uh, we don't see too often anymore. It sounds like. Uh, I mean, it seems like a lot of people phone it in, you know, unless yeah. the uh, the paychecks there and right. Uh, for Lawrence. <laughs> oh. <laughs> there might be a there might be a brawl here. <laughs> I mean, I I just have a crush on Jennifer Lawrence. It's okay. It's a big J Law fan. Um, all right, so I think that. Uh, 8-Bit, did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Uh, I'll just say that I, th- I think the first movie I saw him in was uh, Blade Runner, although I didn't know him really that well at the point at that point in time. So um, I think I really started to know him when, when we were kind of going through movies, uh, you you know, you uh, and Mom and stuff. And, and when we watched uh, Split Second and Blind Fury, uh, I think those movies definitely, especially Blind Fury. I love Blind Fury. Yeah, it's yeah. fun. I mean, Super that fun movie, movie is so friggin' cool, and it yep. empowers we'll, we'll disabled people. But, we'll get there. Um, I think that those were definitely... Those were probably the first movies where I really felt like, okay, I am a big fan. I this, really this like guy's this guy. To watch. This guy, this guy is cool, and his yeah, voice totally. is awesome. It really is. Yeah, like yeah. not only is he a great actor, but goddamn, I could listen to that dude read a book, no problem. Yeah, if like, there was like he's a, got uh, such a good a, gravelly voice in yeah. this. Oh, yeah, if there was a cool. maps 
voice of Rudger Hauer, I'd have it. Oh, like, my God. <laughs> right. Wait, is, is there? Is there? Oh, should be. Man, yeah. Maybe there is. There should just... be. There should be. There might be. There could be. <laughs> and is and we can leave it there because we don't know if there is. <laughs> <laughs> So I think I think now what I'll do is uh, go down this list of movies that I I feel like uh, they are the movies that mean something to me. I don't want to spend a ton of time on each one. I just want to kind of tick them off the list. But I figure I will give you just uh, the name of the movie, the year, the character he played, and um, just uh, just a little little quick synopsis, and then uh, you guys can jump in if uh, you guys have anything to say about this particular movie. If not, we'll move on. So the first one um, I actually am going to talk about, it's actually not on my list. I've, I remembered it the last second. I'm glad I did. And that is Hobo with a Shotgun. I'm I meant go- to rewatch that recently. Uh, I just ran out of time. So I'm going to go. I also should I say like I'm going to go in, I'm gonna go f- in reverse order from most recent to News oldest. To oldest. Yeah. So keeping with that, Hobo with a Shotgun came out in 2011. And he played the titular hobo of this movie. And uh, it is basically part of that Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, uh, like their resurgence of Grindhouse. It started out as a trailer for for that event when those when uh, the two movies uh, was at Planet Terror and uh, Death Proof were released in theaters. There was a bunch of uh, fake trailers, one of which being Machete, that eventually that one got turned into a movie as well. And uh, but a, a lot of them were just fake trailers. Like Eli Roth did one. They, they sort of invited people to send them fake trailers in the style of the '70s and stuff. So anyway, these these two guys from Canada they made this one hobo with a shotgun, and eventually it got turned into a uh, full length movie. Now I Rudger totally Howard was not in that was how it started. Yeah, and Rudger was not in the That's trailer. So funny. That's important. So he wasn't in the trailer at all. They they hired him afterwards. And from what I, um, I actually got to see this movie uh, in a premiere in Boston with my wife some years ago, I, well, 2011, um, and both of the directors were actually there, oh, neat. and uh, it was pretty fun, and uh, and everything, and they were they were saying that basically they were they were the biggest Rudger Hauer fans, and they they were like, nice. well, who could we get to be the hobo? And they're like, well, who would you ever want? And he's like, well, obviously my number one choice would be Rudger Hauer, but that's ridiculous. And they're like, let's just let's just see if we can get him on the horn. And so they literally just... They blew a horn whatever, out the window. Shot in the dark. No chance Clarion in hell he's going to he's gonna respond to this. And they, uh, they got in contact with him through his agent or whatever. They got a Skype call going. And all of a sudden, he's like, the director was like... He's like, and there I am in my freaking bedroom. And I'm like, I'm, I'm Skyping with Rudger Hauer. Like, what universe is this? And can I be here forever? forever? Right. <laughs> Right. So cool. But, I never uh, want to leave this place. It's magical. So this is a uh, like a very stylized, very cartoonish, over the top, um, hyper violent sort of a, a gore 70s fest. exploitation gore fest type movie. But what I love about it personally hobo is exploitation. It's yes, got heart. It's very hobo. It's, it's got hobo heart. exploitation. It's got heart. Right. That's the thing. I think that the 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 performance that he gives as the hobo is really really great, and um, I think it is truly sweet and moving the relationship he ends up having with the 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 female lead it's not a romantic connection it's more of a a father daughter sort of a thing but um it's really touching and and really well done and not overly sappy and cheesy and stupid like it's well done there's plenty of goofiness but that's sort of relegated to the the ultra violence but so this is a movie that I actually really enjoy. I, I sounds like an album title. I'm pretty sure it is. I just can't remember who, <laughs> who, 
Oh, is it Death Angel, maybe? Ult- Ultraviolence? The, the Ultraviolence. Ultraviolence. I have to look that up now. <laughs> I'm so, pretty sure it's um, Death Ultra Angel. Magnus. Ultraviolence. On, on the planet of junk. I don't know. Uh, so what about you guys? Have you guys seen this movie? I have not. I have. I uh, have uh, probably shortly after 2011. I don't remember much of it. I do remember thinking it was fun. It's, you know, Grindhouse and whatnot, but I don't yeah. remember anything particular about it at this moment. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I remember thinking that it was really cool, and I was, I was super glad that it came out of that whole, you know, series of trailers and stuff. And I was excited for Machete and, and Hope with the Shotgun with Rutger was just such a great turnout. Um, but yeah, I, I super wanted to watch it again uh, leading up to this podcast. But alas, didn't, didn't have a chance. But uh, yeah, I remember thinking it was a very cool movie. And another one of those uh, instances where you have a ridiculous premise that Rutger Hauer, you know, acts his heart out for. So, yeah, absolutely. you know. And the Ultraviolence is a Death Angel album, by the way. Nice. Yeah, he absolutely did. And uh, there, you know, I have the Blu-ray, and there are some uh, really fun. There's actually a ridiculous amount, an inordinate amount of extras, and there are these like little little clips of of all sorts of stuff. And there's this one that I I just I don't know I found very interesting where it was uh, it was Rudger in costume, and you just just can kind of hear the directors, and they're trying to figure out what the hobo's costume is, and it's just it's just you know clothes. It's not anything crazy, but. They're talking about it on such a level, and Rudger is like 100% all in, all involved, and they're like, yeah, you know, I think, uh, you hear the director, and he's like, yeah, you know, I, I think this one's, uh, it's really nice, this is, this is, we're having like our two wardrobes, we're having our action hobo, and mm. then like the, the softer hobo when he arrives into town and, before, uh, I'm gonna have a, before have a, he knows there's anything going I'm going to have a part of my on. head for no reason. And, and 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 you hear Rudger and he's like, yeah, this is this is nice. This is the blues. The blues are they're like, yeah, yeah. And they're just a hundred percent all in it, having this seemingly from the outside very silly conversation. But that's how much they were. That's the detail that they were down into, you know, with that they, character. They never got to a point where they're like, I mean, who gives a crap what the right. hobo's wearing? Whatever. Exactly. It's the hobo with the shotgun. Because you like, would no, think they it wouldn't matter real, at all. Right. They had real conversations about, you know, what makes sense and, and tone and stuff. It's it's that kind of craftsmanship that makes those yeah. crazy over-the-top movies worth, uh, worth revisiting, you know? Definitely. Very cool. The fact that they care about something seemingly inane. Right. They care exactly. about the craft to the core. They're not just like, let's just make a, a movie that has buzz and people are going to see once and whatever. Right. Mm. And, uh, you know, this is not a dig on the man, Bela Lugosi, at all. But this is, this is like, uh, if you look to his, his portrayal in the movie Ed Wood, he was very much this, you know, starving actor who didn't give a crap. Give, I will do anything. What do you want me to do? Oh, what do I got to do? Oh, I got to, what? I'm wrestling octopus in the, in the, at night? You know, I'm in, the, I'm in my 70s, right? Okay. Oh, all right. All right, fine. You got to pay me for like that sort of a thing. That was not Rudger Hauer. You would think that that might be, you know, they, there are these nobodies from Canada contacted him, you know, being be our goofy movie. And he just clearly was all in and was interested and wanted to do it. So I, I just thought that was cool. Um, Super cool. You guys ready to move on? Yeah. Okay. Next film. Next film. Up next, we're going to split, uh, skip a whole bunch of years, uh, go back and go back in time. Time, what is time? I wish I knew how to tell you I hurts to know. Are we machines? No, we're, we're dudes. The Blind Guardian Huey Lewis mashup. You yeah. heard it first here. You heard it only here, which is, you're welcome for that. Yeah, you won't ever hear uh, it again. We're going to go to... Not- <laughs> but time, what is time is relevant. We're going to go to 1992. <laughs> And uh, to a movie called Split Second. 
Yeah. Bang this is a movie mm. uh, I know at least three of us have watched recently. I can't remember Nintendo if you guys no, seen it. No, I've never seen it. You've never seen it. So uh, this is a movie. So he, played, he plays this character who's, for the entire movie, he's just called Stone. But uh, later it's revealed that his first name is Harley and it ends up being kind of a joke. So Harley Stone. And he's Your a... name's Harley? Ha- Harley Stone. He's a cop. He's, uh, he's basically this super traumatized uh, police officer who his partner went missing in this horrific manner uh, a year ago or oh, some got, years ago. he got dead. Oh, he did. Yeah. He got so dead. You are and, dying. Uh, <laughs> you, you and, went, his life went missing. Yes. And <laughs> it, it turns out there's actually a monster in this who has killed him and assaulted Harley. But you don't actually see until almost the end of the movie that... When he when he takes when he takes his shirt off, mm, you can see that he's to get your shirt off. Yeah, he's got like all these grooves, these claw made grooves, all in his shoulder and his arm and stuff. And Earthworm the, Tim. apparently the monster, <laughs> when it yeah. attacks you and leaves you alive, forms a psychic bond with you. So because he survived, the monster is now like obsessed with him and. The flip side of that is that Rudger can sense his presence and he can hear his heartbeat when he's close and he can hear his breathing. Yeah, there's like a mental link that they both share. And Rudger doesn't realize exactly the deal, but he just knows enough that when he can hear the heartbeat, he knows kind of where to go generally. But he he doesn't like understand it. It's just, I don't know. It's like he treats it like intuition or something. It's weird. And they're like, how did you know to be at the nightclub at this time? And he's like, I just knew, whatever. He can't like explain it to anyone because they'll think he's crazy. It's just like, I hear this heart beating and I know it's nearby, but he doesn't know that it's a monster. And he just knows that. And the monster's like (sighs) freaking brutal. It rips people's hearts out. Yeah, Yeah, it's like Jack the Ripper, like ripping people's hearts out. Right. And then they find, you know, like a bite taken out of it like down the block wherever he would rip and tear until it was done yes (laughs) rip and tear rip and tear what i loved about this movie is there was a it was it was an english movie actually and um it it actually also had uh kim cattrall in it as well she was the love interest kim catrall and um so so big trouble in little china fame yes you know the same kim cattrall yes kime there was a absolute ton of style in this movie just a ton of style really was there was like this backstory about how the polar ice caps had begun to melt so like london was partially flooded it was like had like a foot of water and so every time yeah they would get out of the car or there was a lot of scenes a lot of scenes people driving getting in the car getting out of the car and it was splashing all the like you want to talk about just making an unnecessary plot point to make more work for the whole production crew like that movie did not at all need to have the environmental like standing that it had It, it, it had no bearing on the plot that the ice caps were melting and that the world was flooded it just gave it a unique look and feel but man every single scene they established that the ground was flooded right it's like what what an yeah, unnecessary just, amount of extra work I know. My, to do my theory on this my, my theory on this is that the set actually got flooded and they're like holy crap we have to film this right around now how do we get around <laughs> we gotta this? make the best of this guys <laughs> we'll throw how, it how, in, how do we explain this in the, the shower we'll scene throw in an explainer yeah. we'll just say the polarized caps melted i don't know <laughs> but it is really neat and it, it is a, a just like I, I don't know how far in the future it's not that far isn't it like a it's near future. Isn't it like a know. weirdly near future? Isn't it like in the distant year of 2008? Like, I, I, I feel like it's that's like pretty close. Right. But uh, yeah, it's it is a cool movie. Definitely, uh, not like a 
It's kind of like a gumshoe movie. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's it's a cheesy action movie. For, it's a sci- cheesy sci-fi action movie. And it's got, like, got a good amount of, like, one-liners and, and funny yeah, banter. And I think it's similar to, like, uh, I Come in Peace with Dolph Lundgren. We're oh, yeah. ta- bringing up Dolph, Mr. Hans. Dolph. But, <laughs> um, Hans. you yeah. know, some, something like that. You know, it's very 80s. It, I mean, it came out in the 90s, but it, it feels 80s. And uh, the thing about it that I... I just I, I'm in awe at and maybe it's because it was English and maybe they were sort of punk poking fun at the American machismo action star. But Rutgers character comes off like at the, when you see him walk in, he's dressed all in leather. He's got these like black John Lennon glasses or maybe they're red or something like that. And he's just like really cool. He looks like an anime character. Looks, he's got this big Yeah, dud. he looks like Vash the Stampede yeah, or like the guy from Alita. Like, he's just, so cool. Yeah. And He's instantly like not really that cool. Like he doesn't well, yeah. he doesn't he, save he the challenges girl at the, the conventions of machismo, yeah, right? At he's all a times. big time piece of shit. And then there's like the scene cuz he's super unhealthy too. And so all he eats is chocolate. He carries this he's this badass character, but he carries around a bag of bonbons <laughs> at all times. <laughs> and he offers them to people and they're yeah, like, yeah. "No, I'm I'm all set." No weird like, guy. And he only drinks bonbons. coffee. Every time he yep. wakes up, he says he needs coffee. And when he goes to the bar at the beginning of the movie, he's oh like, I'll take a coffee. And I want that with extra, extra, extra sugar. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is one scene where he's like, he's filling the thing up himself. And it's like three quarters of the cup is filled with friggin' sugar. Right. There's like, no room for liquid. Right. Like, <laughs> it's that's so funny. Just, like, of all the things that you're going to, of all the idiosyncrasies to work into your badass character, being like, a total sweet a tooth. sugar hog. I mean, that's yeah. like I mean, Elf from Death Note. Like, holy crap, manly, sugar. you know, quote unquote. Right. At least and, in you know what we thought in the eighties, whatever. Right. You know, that, you, you know, it's funny. As soon as you mentioned all he drank was coffee, he's like, oh yeah, I think I have seen this movie before. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember that was like the weirdest thing. Like it, it's, that's funny. It's that, that like super yeah. funny. triggered like, okay, your brain. He just, yeah. drink, he just drinks coffee and eats chocolate. That's yep. that's it. That's his that's, that's his, his diet. Thing. So they worked in so many little like character ticks that I just I just I just love this movie. This it's, it's it, one of my favorites. It's great. And um, I, I mean before Oh, he spend, smokes a lot of cigars too, by the way. Oh, he sure does. So yeah. All right, yeah. Yeah, he does smoke. And a he's lot. like super winded yeah. in this one part they're running up the stairs and he's like, <laughs> how many floors? And he's like how many floors? Like, he's like his partner's like, uh, four? And he's like, oh Jesus! <laughs> it's like, so he's only run up one or two flights at that point. Right, That's it. <laughs> and he's just done. Bubble stairs are fun. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the movie does take place in 2008, uh, which is funny. I just kind of remembered that. But not but, uh, too distant past future. Not too distant yes. future. But the thing I, I really also want to mention before we move on is I love the growth of the of the relationship between. Rutger Hauer and his partner, um, oh, yeah. Dick Durkin, played by <laughs> Neil Duncan, because Dick Durkin starts the movie off as like the super by the books, by yeah. the numbers kind yeah. of like straight laced Oxford graduate police yeah. officer, and he's really not not on the same level as Harley Stone at all. He doesn't. He, he is. Doesn't, he is seriously severely uncool. Yeah, he's severely yeah. uncool. And, and I love how Rutger turns his name to an insult. He's like, okay. Dick. Right. Yeah. Like, and he, what is your name? Dick Durkin. He's like, okay. Well, yeah, because it's the scene where he's like, your first name's Harley. And he's like, yeah. okay, Dick 
Durkin. And then he, <laughs> and then Dick walks away and he's like, starts laughing because he's like, yeah, you got me. <laughs> like, my name's pretty ridiculous. But yeah, by the end of the movie, you know, they have like a totally. I think I would go by bo- Richard Durkin. Right. I would definitely go by Richard. But they or have Chard. a really believable relationship at the end of the movie. And they, they're, they're pals and stuff. I, f- I feel like that growth is so cool to yeah, see. Yeah, because, because Dick Durkin ends up being attacked by the monster and getting the same sort of experience. So then he starts to get a little crazy. And that's when he finally, finally eats his first chocolate. Is when he's himself like delving into this yeah. madness or whatever. And uh, he's like, because Rutger like offers everybody chocolates and nobody wants one. Right. And then he offers them in that scene and he's like, yeah, okay. That's more coffee. Yummy, like, oh, yeah, more coffee, more coffee. <laughs> Sugar in water. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so bizarre. Sugar so in funny. coffee. So cool. I, I think if Very nothing cool. else, it stands out for all the, all the style that it had. But yeah. Anyway, so it was split second. So um, also in 1992, we had Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, yeah. This movie I've actually never seen. So this came before the, the show. The show is loosely based on it. It wasn't really considered canon, but, um, you know, it was done by Joss Whedon um, as like a prototype or whatever. Considered a loose canon? Uh, probably. But, um, Maybe. So Rutger in this movie played the, the main bad guy, the master vampire Lothos. And uh, Joe, I know you watched this movie for this episode. So yes. why, don't you, why don't you talk about that? Well, since you put me on spot. Yeah. Um, so I remember back in the day, I, I really liked this movie. And I think I mostly liked this movie because it had like one of my favorite Ozzy Osbourne songs in it. Oh, yes. So what, oh, what was it called? Party, party with the Animals. Party, party with the Animals. The animals party and no, those alone. Or whatever. Yeah. And uh, uh, so who else was in it? Uh, Another actor that passed away recently. Luke uh, Perry. Luke Perry, right. So so weird that he's gone now. Um, yeah, so it, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is obviously, you know, she's a, a, a slayer of vampires. And uh, it's not it's not a serious movie at all. It's like, I think it's like really goofy. I, I think it's probably because, you know, Buffy is like the, the your typical valley girl. She had this, that that language. That, that they gagging had, right? with like, the like, spoon. She was like a, right. an uptalker. Right. Like before excuse, that was what it was called. Like, whatever. And, uh, That's yeah. why I think that the show succeeded is because they just stopped that. Like, Sarah Michelle Gellar was like, not she was also that. a yeah. super valid I was, girl. I was going to say, like, I'm glad the show is, like, it's not goofy at all. It's pretty serious and, right. and it's badass. Because you, you were a fan of the show, I remember, when it was on. Yeah, I, I mean, not not um, a super fan like, like you guys were, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd watch it from time to time, and I I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Hmm. Um, yeah, a fair weather, just a casual fan. Yeah, just I a think casual fan. Casual yeah, fan. yeah. Um, Nothing wrong with that, right? Um, yeah. So, Rutger Hauer, I thought, um, I thought he 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 was good in the movie. I just felt that again is like I felt the movie should have been more serious. Yeah, and it's like because he does serious so well, and it's like. Mm-hmm. Goofy, yeah, I mean, you can pull off Goofy pretty well, but, um, yeah, I don't know. This is, it's funny, my, uh, you know, I said I didn't, I didn't get a chance to rewatch this one, but I remember really liking Paul Rubens in this movie. Yes, yes, my favorite scene was, was when, uh, Buffy stabs him through the, the chest with a stick, and he's, like, delaying his death, he's, like, he's really dragging it out, he's, yeah. like, uh, 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 ah. looks at Buffy. Uh, uh, and then, then he like collapses and then he comes back up again. He's like, uh, 
uh, uh. <laughs> then, then he lays down. He's like, he's on his side. And he's like, ah, uh, uh. then he's like kicking the wall. It's like, ah, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> for like ten minutes. Like, okay, die already. <laughs> and yeah, then, and then and then um after the uh, right before the, the credits come up, no, he's still dying. He's still it's in like, the throes. <laughs> like, what the hell? I remember really liking the part. I when I was when I was younger, the the part that made me laugh the most was. Uh, was earlier when I can't remember how, but he uh, he's fighting Buffy and he gets his arm ripped off. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. he stands up and he's like a hundred percent, like just not in pain at all. And he just looks down at his stump and he's like, "You ruined my jacket." Like he's all he cared about his jacket. I love that. <laughs> funny. Yeah, it's a fun movie for sure. I, yeah, I haven't seen it in such a long time, but I remember thinking it was really fun. But Hillary like Swank is in that movie. Went. Oh really? Yeah, yeah she's, she's she's like the uh, the mean girl. She's like the the ultimate value oh. girl. Yeah, like she's the Cordelia, the basically. Yeah, yeah. Whatever happened to Christy Swanson? I think that she ended up doing. Well, I mean, she was in the Phantom with Billy Zane. Oh, you know, everyone's. She was favorite. also in Big Daddy with Adam Sandler. Wait, really? I've seen that movie and I don't even remember. Yeah, her she uh, ends up working at Hooters at the end. Oh, okay. Well, interesting. Hmm. That's nice. Yeah. She's in stuff, but you know, not. I don't know. Right. Anywho. Um, Any hoot. Any hoot. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Okay, so up next we have, we, we're going to go back to 1989 for a movie called The Blood of Heroes. Still is, alive, blood of heroes, never die, they never die. Uh, a little Megadeth for you right there. So this is a movie that also is known by another title, The Salute of the Jugger. The Jugger! Um, and uh, he plays a character called Sallow, which is a weird name. It's S A O Sallow. S A L L O W Sallow. And um, he. Uh, so this movie is basically I like to call it, it's like Mad Max meets Rollerball. That's how I would say. Like they they invented a sport or like sport, Mad Max. Sport, sport. Mad Max meets Quidditch or something. It's like <laughs> they made. Did you say Quidditch or Squid Itch? Quid no Squid. Itch is the official is the game disease that... of Retro Red Octopus. No, that's the game we play. Oh. That's that's not a Squid Itch. It's not contagious. I don't know. Squid Itch doesn't sound nice. Uh, sound... I'm trying to feel ill. Yeah, a little ill. Yeah, we're sure sh- we're sharing a microphone over here. We're gonna both have the Squid Itch. Um, yeah, <laughs> right in my pants. Well, let's but let's, yeah, let's try to <laughs> Squid Itch get through this yeah. podcast. Yeah, so sure anywho, it is it is Mad Max meets Sport Ball. Yeah, Sport Ball. Yeah, sure. And uh, you know. Um, I have uh, I I don't have the exact quote, but the movie starts out and it has one screen of dialogue that just sets everything up so perfectly, and Very it succinct. was just basically saying basically like oh we're in the near future the world's messed up uh, nobody knows when the juggers first started to play the game or why it came to be came came to be played with a dog skull and like that's it and you're like what are you talking about but you obviously find out. And that's all the backstory you really need to know. You don't need to know what happened to the world. You don't need to know what happened to civilization. It doesn't matter. In fact, you're not even quite sure if this is our Earth in the future after post-apocalypse or if perhaps this is just some other place. They don't, you know, it could go either way, really. Yeah. I don't think you ever really see any other ruins of cities. after an apocalypse. Yeah, or some other place. Or just some other place, just normal. Right. The world may never know. Yeah. The world is our burrito. Ask Mr. Sallow. But so, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's he's basically the the cool, really, really good, well-respected 
um, guy who is is the head of their team, and you know they, they come up with all the, all these just like Quidditch. Every position, you know, they make up all these weird. There's the slasher. There's the quick. The quick there's the, the those the, are the only two yeah. I remember. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and so he's like kind of like the quarterback. He's like the cool one. You know, everybody looks to. And um, he's also yeah. He's, so he's the slasher. So he's the big heavy who is gonna beat down. The other big guy. That's yeah. basically his. He's not. So he's not supposed to score. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to, from, like, allow right clear clear the field so the score can happen. From basically. the look of the of the movie, it seems like teams are five people. It looks like there's three like slashers who have weapons to fight off the other team's slashers, and then there is the quick who basically runs the score. ball. So that's so Harry they, Potter, right? So they so they run the dog skull. Uh, and then there so wait, is what was Harry? He was a Harry was a, a seeker. A seeker. So that's the seeker. The other three are the beaters. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna do my 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 voice, but I'm not gonna do the voice because I can't think of a good line. Shut up. Anyway, so yeah. Then there's also so this the, is your voice right, right here. This is my voice. So then there's the quick, and then the quicks all have a guard, and uh, the our our team's guard is Vincent D'Onofrio, uh, yep. and he is Baby D'Onof, and he has this. Like chain that he he spins around baby in the face, air. Babyface Dono Froth. Babyface Dono Froth, and uh, he he protects the quick. And so basically, they just try to make. And an you're, you're making this to... like swirly motion, like you're swinging a lasso, but they can't hear that. Oh, I know. But he has like this big chain feel, thing, and he swings it around. Better his head. about my explanation. Yeah, yeah. So they run to the other side of the field with the dog skull, and all they got to do is plant the dog skull on the stake on the other side of the field, and the game's over. That's it. They won. So it's just like capturing the golden snitch. Yep. Yep, there's no there's no points. It's just do this thing and you win. Also, the timer in this in this world is super impractical, but they legitimately have a dude stand on the side with a pile, multiple piles of 100 stones, and they always go, "This round, this game will be three sets of 100 stones." And then the guy's job is just to pick up a rock one at a time <laughs> at an in like not described length of time in between them, but I think just, they all kind of got it down though. Yeah, I guess, but it's it's not like you know it's a unit of measure. It's just the dude picks up a rock, picks hucks it, up, it out of metal plate, picks up the rock, throws the rock, picks, picks up, up the, the rock, rock hucks it out the, the metal plate. It's like how long a part of these is that eighty seven clangs or eighty eight clangs? Right, who I, I lost mean, count exactly, and it's just like I don't know. It's, it's but when like, the when the stones are done. That's a hundred at least, but That's yeah, they always know that clearly other people are counting. But yeah, and uh, and so you, uh, yeah, the movie is basically like the there's this young girl who's interested in being a part of uh, you know this world of juggers and stuff, and she's part of like a different team that gets beaten by Rutger Hauer's team, and then yeah, she's like the the minor she, leagues, she's right, like minor yeah, leagues, like yeah. you know Bush down leagues, in the whatever. down in the shit towns with right. the you know. Far away down from in the dog capital. Town. Dog, they call everything Far dog, away from the dog. Red City, which is basically, you know, the, the big fancy capital where all but the yeah, it, it is a weird movie. Live. It's a cool movie. There's a lot of scenes with no dialogue. There's a lot of just establishing shots and, and shots of the game being played and not necessarily a lot yeah, of it's like, like descriptive if Harry dialogue. Only had Quidditch. Basically Kinda, that's what it is. Yeah. Hmm. It's like that's the point. If the point of the Harry Potter book was to only worry about quitting. There's no Voldemort. There's no nothing else. It's just that. And uh, you'd yeah. have like some idea. But Paint, you know, mix that with Mad Max. Right. It's a cool movie. Let's carry on. Cool. Also, want to say I liked, I liked his backstory that was revealed where he was this, ends up being this uh, disgraced uh, capital man. Like he was from the city. Yeah, he was originally. in the big leagues. Yeah, so that's why he's so good. Because the, the leagues that, they're like the professional, like the real... Real sport ball leagues, because the game's never named. It's just the game. 
they're they're called juggers. The people who play it are juggers. But and the actually, game, in real life, in real life, there is a sport that was that was born from this movie, and they just call it jugger. And it's exactly the sport that's in the game, uh, that's that's in the movie, the game that's in the movie. And has it it's played uh, come with, to be played with a dog skull? It is played with foam dog skulls. No. Like they straight up mold dog skulls out of plastic and foam to be as close to it as possible. But it's played in like Europe and Germany and a bunch of different countries over that away. But uh, really pretty cool. That's that's a pretty neat lasting you know impact on the world. They made a sport and people cared enough to play it for real. <laughs> Very cool. Which I mean happened with Quidditch too. Except we don't have flying broomsticks, but no. people try. They, they look a little goofier than they probably <laughs> think they do. Right. Uh, so uh, next movie uh, is actually also from 1989, and this is one I think we'll all have fun mentioning. It's Blind Fury. Oh, yes. So Super Blind cool Fury movie. is a movie that uh, over the years I have heard mentioned many times by many people as being a really fun movie they remember fondly. Um, it, is, it is cheesy. Uh, it is 80s. Um, he plays Nick Parker, and basically it is the Americanization of, like, the blind Japanese swordsman. Uh, so this is, like, the American action movie form of that, uh, old story. And, um, yeah, so he's a, he's a Vietnam vet who was blinded on his last tour and left for dead. And he was raised, uh, nursed back to life and, uh, by the locals and, uh, Taught to wield a sword and as Vietnamese tribes often do. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe it was the the, the good ones. Yeah, it's a good uh, thing they set up those nests to capture. Like, We're going to capture ourselves a soldier and teach him how to sword fight. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, uh, that's that's what happened in uh, in good old Blind Fury Town. Anyway, and uh, so he he becomes this uh, you know master swordsman basically, uh, but he's blind, and that's that's pretty much the the setup. Um, there's this, you know, goofy plot where he has to go reconnect with his old friend and it's, uh, it's, uh, John Locke from Lost, only he's got some hair and, uh, Meg Foster's in it for five minutes and scares the crap out of you with her eyeballs and, uh, <laughs> JT from Step by Step's in it and he's annoying and he's whiny and, and, you know, through all that, that's uh, pretty fun. And you get to see, uh, Tex Cobb cut in half, which is, uh, you know, fun. Yeah. That's always a good time. Yeah. So what do you, you guys obviously remember this movie. Yep. What, what you, what you guys got? Oh, like like you said, it's you know it's definitely a fun movie. Um, not the most serious or epic movie, but it's still really really fun. Definitely uh, recommend a, a viewing of it. Uh, I mean, it's just uh, it was weird because like I, I remember seeing it like my, my aforementioned like you know binge from like twenty twenty five years ago, and at the time, it must have been right around the time that that show was it step by step. Yes. Was on I'm like oh it's the kid from Step by Step, but then like before I saw it again recently, I'm thinking oh. This wasn't the kid by step by step when I when I saw it again recently. No, no, it is the kid by step by step. You guys are telling me like, oh, I'm, I was just forgot what the kid looked like. Then I have no idea. So I, I don't know. So my my memory's crap. But <laughs> I just it is the kid from step by step. It, it I, is. I, I didn't look up his name. I don't. I don't, I, I don't know the kid's name either. Yeah, but it was so name. weird because at the time I first saw like, oh yeah, that's the kid by step by step. Then like, oh no, wait, I thought it was a kid. No, that can't be him. I guess. No, it is him. Oh yeah, he, he was really annoying in this movie. He was yeah. super annoying. It's yeah. like yeah. it's like you no, know, they hired him for the job. It's like, do you know how to cry? Okay, you're hired. You know how to be annoying as shit? <laughs> All right, you got you the job. Yeah. You know, I, I really do, though, you know, again, another thing I love about Rudger Hauer is I, I sort of find, even when the movie isn't, like, A-plus material, even though I do love this movie, he always finds things to add, and 
I always find something I like about the performance. And in this movie, like, I really honestly think he did a damn good job at playing a blind guy. Yeah. yeah. I really felt like he, you know, it's, it's not just like you can't make eye contact. I don't know. Like, he really, like, got in people's faces a lot. Like, it's like he didn't, he didn't know how close he was or, you know, like, we wouldn't have done that. But this character did that. He's blind. Right, and it's weird because you see some of these scenes and he's, like, really close. Like, you think to yourself, oh, this is kind of uncomfortably close. Oh, oh wait, he's blind. He wouldn't know. He wouldn't have yeah, a depth I mean, perception. Talk about, talk about acting. Like, I, yeah. I loved his performance in this movie for that because you totally just believe that this dude can't see. And, you know, it, it's got to be so strange to be an actor and be able to perceive everything around you but have to just fake it like you don't know it's there and that is just goddamn such a proof of how amazing an actor he is right. and this movie's just cool as hell because it's a blind guy kicking ass as a samurai and that's sick because like they're really what daredevils the only other cool badass blind character well i mean they're like i said it's it's an old japanese story there there's a lot of uh, a lot of i would say it's an archetypal sort of a character like even a ninja scroll one of the one of the devils of Kimon was a blind swordsman, and that was riffing on the mm. same thing that this was riffing mm. on. Okay, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, still, still a character. I feel like we don't see in American cinema. No, very, yeah, not in very America. Often. That's true. Um, and I think that it made the movie stand out for me, but it was also just a great story. I yeah, thought it was really yeah, good. it was a really good story. And you know, he could have copped out with you know just wearing sunglasses throughout the whole movie. Totally. And right. he only wore them for like what ten minutes in yeah, the beginning not of the much. movie, and, agree, then, yeah. and then and then. Then near the end of the movie, he puts it back on, then he just walks off into the sunset or whatever. Yep. Right, but yeah, he, it, it's as if he wanted to be like, no, I, I don't want to just this, hide behind my I sunglasses. I want to be authentic. I want it to feel like, yeah, I, I can act this, I can do this performance and, and make this believable. Right. It was really awesome. But even like, cool. like that, that scene when, when, uh, where he's in that, that bar and uh, one of the guys are there just like waving his hand in his face. Like, if someone did that to me, I'd be like, like yeah. flinching. I'm like, well, what the hell are you doing? Like, no, he's like, He's like, yeah, he's on the job. Yeah, he's, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, maybe if you were on the job, I think you could probably not flinch if you were being paid. Maybe. Let's, let's try. Maybe. Let's, let's try let's after try. the let's, show. Okay. All right. So, somebody pay me. Um, <laughs> one, one last final factoid uh, I have to mention is they had this uh, recurring thing where the kid gets mad and he throws this, uh, this thing he's been making out of clay out the window. And even though it makes no sense where Edgar uh-huh. Howard somehow is able to reach out and catch it. And they do this yeah. twice. And it's a, they only call it a clay dinosaur, but it's a triceratops. It sure is. So, like, I just I love I was going to say, well, personally, Steve knows that, exactly what kind of dinosaur yeah, that, this that's is. Bonus, <laughs> bonus points right there is a triceratops. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I mean, you know, I always got to point out the triceratops. Yep. Um, all right. So, that's Blind Fury. Awesome movie. So, uh, we're going to go back only two years to 1987 uh, to a movie that was made for TV. It's called Escape from Sobibor. And um, this is a dead serious movie. It's a World War II Nazi concentration camp movie. It's all based on a true story. It's based on um, the camp of Sobibor, which was... uh, In Poland. One of the least known. The world basically didn't know it was there. And it was the first time ever uh, that there was a... I think think the first and only all-out escape. Yeah, like basically a successful uprising. Escaped. Over 300 prisoners uh, of the 600 that were there escaped. Right. And this was telling their story. So everybody in the movie was based on a real person. And uh, Rudger actually plays uh, Sasha Pachersky. And he was a uh, 
Russian Jew, and he was, uh, he was, uh, I don't know if he was, uh, what his rank was. He was a leader of his troop. I don't know if he was. But yeah, but he was a soldier. Uh, yeah, he was a soldier. I don't know if he was captain or, uh, but he was, uh, you know, marched in uh, about halfway through the movie. And right. he kind of becomes the X factor, you know, where everybody's already trying to formulate a plan. And the, the cast in this movie is phenomenal. Uh, Alan Arkin is, is, is the main character. And, um, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to figure out a way to leave. And they're like, we have to. We know we have to. We know we absolutely have to. We're not sure how to do it. And when he comes in, he provides the final, like, okay, he, this is what was missing in the equation. Right. He, he can orchestrate all these people together and formulate a plan and figure out how to isolate all the, you know, the SS guards and, and high-ranking officers and stuff and, and take them out one by one. And, uh, yeah, because know. at first they're like, oh, well, what do we do? Do we dig a tunnel? You right. know, like, what do we do? You know, how do we do this? And he's like, no, we have to kill all the SS. And walk uh, out at the least the high-ranking ones, because then they won't be able to properly like mount a defense, and they'll just kind of be scattered, you know, whatever. And obviously, when they escape, there are a lot of casualties just because of how frantic it is and, and guards shooting and stuff. But there's really no like cohesive like you know ability from the guards to stop what's going on. There's just hundreds of people running right. out the front door, and and over 300 survived. So it's it's a you know it's definitely an amazing Very story. It's definitely movie. worth ta- uh, worth telling. Very well done. I actually read the read this the book of this movie. I was so enamored with this movie. Uh, I read the book in college and stuff. But yeah, I mean it's uh, it's a, it's a really good movie. Um, I'm not like the biggest war movie fan. Uh, it's it's not my preferred genre, but this movie. I don't know. I like to think I would like it even if Rudger Hauer wasn't in it, but he is my favorite character in the movie by far. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know what, what more to really say. I know I know, uh, uh, 8-Bit's seen it, but you guys haven't. No, I haven't seen it. I have not seen it either. Um, it actually is also, it, it holds the, uh, the distinction of being the second DVD I ever purchased in life, Ooh. the first being Fantasia 2000. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. Yes, the That's second. Crazy. I mean, was, those movies are so similar, so I can see why they're I know, one right. and two. Second natural, was natural pairing. Escape from Soviet War, and it is the worst print. It is such a so terrible. The quality is so bad, and the the case is like it's from Mars. Like, where did this case come from? No other DVD in existence has a case like this. It's solid hard plastic. It makes no sense. It's really weird. I'll show you guys after. But anyway, maybe I'll post I'll post a picture of my weird Sobibor case. Um, all right, so going back two more years to 1985, we have Lady Hawk. Yeah! Oh, yeah. So I know Lady Hawk is a, another big one for us, and I've already said uh, some on it. So uh, why don't you guys take this one? Somebody what, what take you guys this one. Got? I haven't seen it since like, I was so a kid. So you haven't so seen it in a while. Yeah, it's been a while yeah, for me, too, actually. Okay. Tim, I, did, I, yeah, oh, I you saw, watched it with me. Yeah, like, we watched it recently. It was, recently. I think, this year. With Dr. Uh, Matteo. With Dr. Matteo. Who's in the studio right now doing goofy stuff? Being yeah, that's cool. true. Uh, yeah, Lady Hawk. Is she's a, hanging out. She's hanging out in the studio off mic. Yeah, yeah, she is. Doctor Studio. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, Lady Hawk is a really cool movie. Uh, I can't recount you the perfect story of this, but it's it's basically this this story of two lovers who are cursed, and during the day, one of them is uh, you know a bird, and so the the girl a, is a, Michelle. Would you Pfeiffer, say a hawk? A hawk. 
and a then, lady and then Rutger like Hauer bird. is a human, and then at nighttime, Rutger Hauer hawk? turns into a wolf, and a man wolf? wolf, and and uh, Michelle Pfeiffer becomes a human. Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. Right, and so it's this whole thing where they can never be together. The they can only see each day. other for a split second at dawn and dusk. Um, it's a cool movie. It's got Matthew Broderick in it. Um, it's it's when he was and, still uh, making Alfred movies. Molina. Right, Alfred Almost Molina. Almost unrecognizable. Pretty, pretty great cast. And you know what? Just to go back a little bit, um, the person whoever put the curse on them had the presence of mind. Okay, I can't have the guy be the bird because even if uh, you know she was like the wolf. He still probably would have. Right. Moving on. Fair. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Not much more to say other than it's an awesome movie. It's a great fantasy tale and uh, awesome cast. Go see it. It's definitely like what I call low fantasy. Yes. You know, it's, it's almost... Right. It's got magic and stuff, but yeah, it's, it's not it's about barely. that. Right. Like, it has the curse, but other than the curse that is transforming them, so it is magic... It's there's there's nothing else that makes it like fantasy. Right, it feels more right. like a period movie, but mm-hmm. there's there's this magic curse in there. Yeah, transforming and Matthew Broderick, and then there's Matthew Broderick who, I mean, I mean, is trying to do a, a British accent, which is more miss than hit. But you know, mm, yeah, but it, it's okay. He's not bad. It's fine. Right. Don't worry about it. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely. Uh, one of my favorite movies of his and uh, one of my favorite roles, probably my favorite role uh, overall, honestly, is it. Oh, yeah. He plays Etienne Navarre. And I love that name so much. Yeah. And uh, when I was in high school and I was forced to take French, my name's Steve, obviously. And and so the French teacher just made us take the French version of whatever our name was. And I did not know that the, the French version of Steven is Etienne, but it is. And I was so freaking pumped. <laughs> that I got You're to be like, ETN yeah, for two years. I'm like, booyah, I'm dude from Lady Hawk. I'm just as handsome as well. It's fine. So handsome. It's fine. So much smolder. Uh, <laughs> you, want, you, want, you want to see my smirk? My, my Steve smirk? <laughs> Not as good. Um, all right. Going back two, uh, three more years. I can do math. Um, to 1982, we have the seminal. We're, we're winding down on the list. There's only two more. Two more on my list I have here. Um, we have the seminal Blade Runner. Ah, yes. And I don't know that much needs to be really said about Blade Runner. I think it's just such a classic mm, at this right. point, and it really it's pretty is, well yeah. respected. Yep. Um, I will say that I just watched it recently with Boss Rush, and it was his right. first viewing. Yes. So 45 a- years on this earth, and that movie being around since 82, I have not seen it until fairly so please, recently. please, Boss Rush, please, you take this one. All right. Uh, well, it's just a... Uh, you know, future is, you know, set in the, well, it's set in this year, 2019, but this was in, back in 1982. So back then it was the, uh, the future. And it's a story about uh, replicants, which are androids or robots that were basically made to perform basically slave labor. And uh, they would give them some degree of like, you know, human like emotion or something, but, uh, but they only gave them like a limited lifespan. So they wouldn't like over indulge in these or just over, you know, just kind of, get too used to these emotions or kind of just get too self-aware, I guess. Right. So, um, so they only would have like something like maybe a four, was it a four year lifespan? I think they said, yes, four years. And, um, so they was, you know, it's, they're just basically built just for, for, for labor and then they just die off and then they just kind of, some of them don't even know that right. they're, they're robots because they're, right. they're right. called replicants. Yes. Yeah. They don't even know. Because they yep. build all these memories in. Yeah. Right. It, they feel like, no, I'm, I'm 35. I've lived for I have 30 all these years, memories. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it's that. It's like you just you just wake up one day, you're you're created, but as far as you know, you have like decades worth of memories, and to you, it's just your memories. Exactly. Them, you know, right? So. You you don't know that you weren't there because yeah. you remember it. It's like the total recall. Yeah, thing. and uh, Harrison Ford's right. character, um, oh, name escapes me. Decker. Uh, Decker. Yes, he's uh, what do they call him? A uh, a Blade Runner. A Blade. Oh, Blade. Derp, 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 derp. For some reason, I was thinking of the game Snatcher. I was like, "What do they call him in Snatchers?" Oh, oh yeah, I'm talking Junkers. About Blade, junkers. Yeah, the Junker. Yeah, that got crossed my brain. But yeah, yeah, the Blade Runner, who's well, he's basically out to like what kill the ones that escape or something. Or yeah, it? that's his job as a Blade Runner. They, they're so. they're killing the rogue replicants. Right. The ones that are dangerous. Yes, the ones that are a danger. Or the ones that are allegedly yes. dangerous that yes. his bosses tell him to right. kill. Basically. Yeah. And he's got this like really weird like retinal test he has to give them. Like they ask him a whole bunch of questions to try to figure out if they're you know replicants or humans. And so and that's you know part of his process. And uh, you know he goes you know through the movie you know he's there's like a gang of you know, a few of them that are like you know rogue and he you know hunts them all down and you know obviously Rutger Hauer being like the main one of them Roy uh, what was his last name I can't forget his last name in the movie Roy, Roy Batty Roy Batty yes yes I, I neglected to mention Rutger's character again. yeah Roy but, Batty uh, yeah he Weird was name. he was the the man the robot the the replicant and uh you know he was you know obviously like the the standoff and the whole. Sp- speech that uh, Rutger gave at the end of that is, you know, iconic and uh, will we'll last forever and will not, you know, fade like tears and rain. Uh, yeah, so then, you know, it's just, uh, just the climax of that movie is just, you know, very well done, well, very well paced. And I, I, I enjoy the movie a lot. I mean, I, like I said, I'd never seen it up until very, fairly recently. I always meant to see it, but just never got around to it. And I know, I know me is like, okay, I've heard that this movie... Has its point. It's like it's a little. It's slow. It's not like action packed all the way through. I mean, it's got action in it, yeah. but it's not like you know, bang bang in it's your not face. It's an action movie. Right. It's more it's, cerebral. More. It is very cerebral. And I'm not huge. I don't hate those movies, but I'm not always in the mood for those. Right. And I don't know. I watched this movie, and I was like in it all the way through. It kept my attention the whole time, which I can not say about really any movie, never, you know, action or otherwise. So I was like, I, I I enjoy this movie a lot, and I'm I'm glad I finally got a chance to say it, or finally got around to it. Yeah, I, I hadn't seen, I have not rewatched Blade Runner uh, since I was probably like in high school, middle school. But um, I, I know that it's a movie that I couldn't fully appreciate when I was younger. And I, I want to rewatch it again. I, I watched Blade Runner 2049 and I really felt like, man, I want to go back and rewatch the original. Um, so that's that's good to hear that you still, the first viewing was mm. so positive for yeah. you, Boss Rush. Because I, I feel like for me, it's basically going to be the first viewing, seeing it you right. know, if I watch it again yeah. today. And if I could just... Uh I know you ha- you you've seen it, Nintendo. You're not a big fan. Yeah, I've seen it. I just wasn't too crazy about it. I'm I'm not the biggest fan of this movie either. Uh, I I do like it. I appreciate it. I respect it, and I absolutely a hundred percent feel that Rudger Hauer is the best part of the movie. Oh, but absolutely. a lot of people say that by far. Um, uh, I will I will just going back to his uh, his iconic speech at the very end. Um, so the speech that appears in the movie that he says uh, was, you know, a lot of people know, I think at this point that he, or have heard that he actually had input and he actually wrote that uh, or some of that or whatever. He didn't write the whole thing, but that specifically the tears in the rain line was his. But so what, what he says in the movie is he says, <clears throat> I've seen things you people wouldn't believe attack ships on fire over the shoulders of Orion I've watched sea beams glitter in the dark near Tannhauser Gate. All those moments will be lost in time, like tears in the rain. 
time to die. The original script, before Hauer got his, got his big Dutch mitts on it, was a little bit different. It says, I've seen things, seen things you little people wouldn't believe. Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion, bright as magnesium. I rode on the back decks of a blinker and watched the sea beams glitter in the dark near the Tannhauser Gate. All those moments, they'll be gone. Hmm. So it's similar. Similar, yeah. But you don't, you know, that... Right. I think just, Rutgers just, was like a little bit yeah. more concise. And yeah. it had the, oh, that tears in the rain line. Yeah. Time yeah, to dead. die. He also added, yeah. the, added that. Yeah, and then uh, leading up to that that scene, because, you know, he and uh, Decker are still kind of like, Decker's kind of running away, you know, for his life, literally. And uh, at the end, he was about to fall off the ledge. He's ha- hanging onto like the, the uh, roof of a building or like some sort of e- extension from like the roof. And he's, he's he literally loses his grip and he's about to fall. But then, you know, Roy Batty, you know, grabs him, brings him up. And, you know, at this point, you have no, is this is when he's going to kill him. And, you know, he's giving him like a, a metric ton of Rudger smirk. Right. Very point. much so. A lot, whole lot of Rudger smirk. And he just back, he's basically like on his hands and knees, or not on his hands. And he's like, he's backing up on his rear end and just backing up into like, you know, just a, you know, portion of the architecture, and he's just looking up at him, and it's just this like moment of silence where like, what is going to happen? Is he just going to kill him? Because he's pretty much got him dead to rights. And then that's where like the speech comes out. But leading up to that, in I believe his left hand, he's holding a, a dove. And during that whole part, right before like the speech, I'm like, why the fuck is he holding a bird? And I'm like, <laughs> like what the hell is the deal with this? And then you know when he says you know the speech and you know the. Tears and rain, time to die. He'll like, you know, he looks, you know, he slouches down and he dies and he lets go of the bird and the bird, you know, flies away, very symbolic of like perhaps a soul that he, you know, people think he might not have had. Is you know, just really, really well done. Like, okay, well, that explains the bird at least. And But still, right. it's just such a powerful scene. I, I enjoyed that a lot. Very, very well done. Very true. <clears throat> um, I think we should probably end it, end the segment there. Um, okay. Before we stop and go on to the Octoponder this, um, I just want to ask you guys, is there any other like honorable mention uh, projects or movies or anything at all that you wanted to, to kind of get in before we wrap things up? I just want to mention like the most awkward Rutger Hauer scene I've ever seen in a movie. Really quickly, uh, it's from Flesh and Blood. And uh, Jennifer Jason Flesh Lee... plus blood? Fle- yeah, something like that. Flush tea blood. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee is also in it. Now, I, my memory of this is foggy at best, so forgive me if I get all these details like off kilter or whatever, but I think the general premise will still be close enough to, for you to get the gist if you haven't seen it. Um, so at some point in the movie, Jennifer Jason Lee's character and another female character, I guess they were, just, they were just captured by Rutger Hauer and this band of ruffians or miscreants or whatever from medieval times. And they're basically medieval times, the restaurant, or medieval uh, times, the, t- the era. The era. Oh yeah, the era. They might have had a restaurant. I don't know, but uh, they they're basically like they, you know they're captives, and uh, that one female character says to Jennifer Jason Leigh, uh, "Yeah, you're basically going to get gang raped. It's it's inevitable. So, but when it does happen, don't just lay there and take it. Just give it back to him. Whatever. I guess is kind of like the gist of it, and their way of just like just not giving into it or whatever. I don't know. It it was weird, but then. Later on in the movie, when the inevitable, you know, gang rapey time happens and Rutger Howe is doing his thing and everyone's all there, they're all watching it because, you know, they're gross and whatnot. And, so, and then she just starts giving it back to him and everyone's like, oh, is he fucking her? Is she fucking him? Oh. And then, you know, all of a sudden you know, it slows down, stops, and Rutger Howe just leans in and says, are you finished? Because I am. 
And I'm like, oh, cringe. Oh, my God. But anyway, that was my cringy moment. That I wanted fresh to and blood. Yeah, flesh, there. Flesh, R- uh, Rutger uh, porn. Uh, yeah. Flesh, yeah. flesh and blood. I said fresh. Uh, fresh and brewed. Fresh and brewed. Nintendo, do you got anything? Well, I was just going to briefly mention uh, his 10-minute stint in uh, Corbin Nash, which is basically a, another vampire movie that he's in. Um, he's just basically in it for like 10 minutes, the first 10 minutes of the movie, trying to tell the, the main character that his parents were slayers, and he just like refused to believe him, blah, 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 whatever. And then he's like, well, look, I have your father's ring when he played uh, professional baseball. And that was just another an undercover thing because he was on he was on a mission for you know killing like a a family of vampires or whatever, and I don't know it, it's just kind of weird how he's just in it for like ten minutes. He should be in it like way more than just the ten minutes. But that was but, the one movie. But in those ten minutes, he was really good. He was good. That's the one <laughs> movie Rutgers like I don't want to be in the rest of this film. <laughs> right, right. Give the role to someone else, please. Right, just. Just cut my character. But the movie is pretty good. I do recommend watching it. Cool. And that's on Netflix, right? Uh, yes. Very cool. Noise. Uh, yeah, so uh, real quick, uh, I am a huge fan of a Dutch band called Arion. They're a progressive metal band. What you are? And uh, I am. And so the guy who actually started that whole band is this guy named Arjen Anthony Lucasen. And he has a solo album out there called Lost in the New Reel. And... Aryan has been a fan of Rutger Hauer for like his whole life. He said that he was always somebody that he looked up to and always watched all of his movies. And being Dutch, he was kind of like this superstar status person for him. Uh, and so when he was making Lost in the New Reel, you know, I think he was always hoping that he would have a chance to partner up with Rutger in some way on some project somehow. And uh, he finally managed to make it happen with this album. He actually got Rutger Hauer to do all of the narration on it. So every song starts off with a short passage that uh, is basically telling the story of the album. And it's Rutger Hauer. He's doing the narration. And uh, there's even a video on YouTube of Rutger commenting about the album uh, he's at like a car wash or something wicked random, but he's just basically you know commenting on how excited he is and and how great uh, it was to work together and stuff. So I think that's a super amazingly awesome collaboration. Two things that I love coming together, uh, and the album is pretty cool. And also so, random too. Yeah, it's random. so random, mm-hmm. but you know they're both Dutch, so I guess in some way it kind of makes some kind of sense. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, pretty neat. Cool. Very cool. Um, I'll just rattle off three things real quick. Um, he actually, if you uh, if you are a fan of, I like I, I swear to God, I still want to say books on tape. If you're a fan of audiobooks at all, books on tape, uh, as as I am, um, there is a book called Alien Out of the Shadows, which uh, was written by Tim Levin and Dirk Mags, and Rutger is actually in the uh, the recording because it's uh, it's a drama drama. It's it's not read by one person. It's a dramatization. It's a full cast recording. Uh, of it, and it's it's pretty fun. And uh, the cool thing is that Rudger actually plays the character of Ash from uh, the original Alien, the Android, who was played by Ian Holm. And uh, even though he's destroyed in that, you find out that his his AI uh, intellect survived uh, in the computer system. And uh, so it's uh, it's pretty fun. So that's uh, check that out if you're a fan of Alien, or if you're a fan of uh, books on tape, or books on phone, or books on whatever the hell. Um, also, uh, two movies, two movies that I, I sort of really wanted to mention 
because I love them so much, but there can only be so much. We're running a little long in the tooth here. Um, one is uh, Nighthawks, 1981. Uh, awesome movie. Really great buddy cop movie. Uh, definitely actually one of my favorite roles, honestly, uh, where he plays this uh, terrorist Wolfgar, and uh, he's the foil of Sylvester Stallone and Billy D. Williams. Uh, very cool movie, and that, so that's 1981. And also, the only time you'll see Stallone with like kind of longish hair and a uh, a full beard, kind of looks uh, a little bit a yeah. little bit different. And like 70s like porn glasses, I don't know, um, or 80s cop glasses. 80s cop glasses, I guess is probably what it is. Cop glasses. That makes that makes like some some more sense. Uh, also, uh, I'm not sure what year it came out. The Hitcher is an awesome movie uh, that he is incredible in. And I think a lot of people probably remember this one, but it's basically a thriller. And he is uh, just basically torturing and just stalking this girl who happens to give him a ride. And he's completely psycho. And holy crap, there's one scene that is so violent and gory. It's like, it's mind-blowing and, uh, and stuff. So anyway, Hitch was also awesome. So without further ado, I think I will move on to this week's Octoponder This. So thanks for... Coming along, guys, and uh, listening to us gab about Mr. Rudger Hauer, who, uh, who uh, you know, I'm a pretty big fan of. So, back when I was mentioning that he was uh, considered for the role of Riggs in Lethal Weapon, which is just, like, hilarious to think about, uh, <clears throat> kind of on the heels of that, I'm going to ask you this. What role that already exists would you have loved to see Rudger Hauer play? That he never got to play. So it can be from any movie, and you're you're like, you know, you know what? I bet this I bet he would have killed it as this character. So why don't you think about that for a little while and we will be right back. Hi, I'm Patsy the Angry Nerd, lover of science and sharks. And I'm Ashes Von Nightmare, the real housewife of Transylvania and mistress of Merlot. And, and we're, we're the, the hosts host of the, the Throwdown Thursday, Thursday Podcast. Podcast, part of the Somebodies and Grand Guignol Networks. Join us each and every Thursday as we break down all the characters you love and love to hate. That's right. We cover characters from movies, television, books, video games, and even real historical figures. Plus, we discuss science. And wine. Like, so much wine. Like, all the wine. We also pit random characters against each other in free-for-all contests voted on by you, the listener, and reveal the results the following week. Did I mention the wine? Like, there's a lot of wine. So join us on our journey through pop culture on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. And we we will will see you you next Thursday. Bloodworks Scriptorium, the new album from Enchanted Exile. 11 pulse-pounding heavy metal tracks, including Embrace Oblivion, Cold Spell, On Widow's Hill, and I Am the Void. Bloodworks Scriptorium, available now on iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere you get your digital music. So, go get it. You ready to do some thinking? It's about that time where we ask you, the audience, to octo-ponder this. 
All right, welcome back aboard, all you Retroids. So we've asked you this week's Octopod to this question, which is what role, what already existing role can you think of that you think Rudger Hauer would have absolutely killed it at and would have loved to have seen? Um, I'm going to go last. So, Nintendo, what you, what you got? All right, well, I am going to go with Morpheus from The Matrix instead of uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, cool, okay. cool, cool. I think, no, just hearing, hearing him say... Do you think that's air you're breathing? Would sound so amazing. Yeah. Totally that's would. very true. Yeah. That's very true. I could absolutely see him as Morpheus, actually. And it's funny because he, he has those little uh, John London glasses, too. He does. Yeah. Oh, second yeah. split yeah. second. Yep. 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 Very cool. Totally. Good one. Yeah. That, that's great. Definitely uh, definitely cool. Uh, 8-Bit, you still thinking? I got my pick. What you got, man? I'm thinking about uh, Highlander. I think he would have been pretty fucking great as the Highlander. Now, Highlander was what eighties, so he probably would have been like like eighty-one. I think forty. No, he was like late thirties. That would have been perfect. Yeah, I think he would have been awesome in that movie. I think he was like like late thirties around uh, eighty eighty-one. Yeah, because Blade Runner, I think he was like thirty-eight, maybe. Mm -hmm. Well, he was forty-four. I could see him being Scottish and wielding a sword and having the quickening and just kicking ass. It would be awesome. Agreed. True. 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 Bosh rush. All right. Well, I am going to say the Joker from the 1989 movie Batman. Yep. I think he absolutely would have hit that damn role out of the freaking park because I uh, just just imagine Rutger Hauer giving the smirk with that Joker makeup on. <laughs> right? That would have been pretty fucking epic. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Actually, and, you know, doing his own good old crazy Rutger bad guy and stuff. And yeah, yeah, I think I think that would have been awesome. Yeah, I mean, great pick. Absolutely. These these are all. See, isn't this fun? I don't know. It's like, like oh, what if he was? What if he was? Like, I almost wanted to say Snake Plissken, you know, but <laughs> yeah. but you know that that role is just Kurt Russell all day long. Right. Um. Okay, so my official answer is not Snake, Snake Plissken. My official answer um, goes back to uh, another memory. I'm gonna take this episode full circle back to my mom, and uh, we. I remember there was this um, issue of Wizard Magazine. You guys remember Wizard Magazine? Oh, I do. Yep. And they did, this was in the early 90s, and it was like the first time I had ever encountered a fan casting thing where like people were talking about, oh, like we think this person should be in this movie. And uh, Wizard cast the X-Men movie. And I re- the, the, the only one I really remember, so I, okay, I remember a couple. I remember they said Tia Carrere would be Psylocke. Which I felt like was perfect. So funny. Super perfect. Oh my and, god. And then they said uh, Glenn Danzig would be Wolverine, which is hilarious. Not perfect. Imperfect, but like the right height. True. And level of angst. Let's be real. He's got, he got I sideburns too. Yeah. <clears throat> and he's got the sideburns. Sideburns for it. Yeah. Um, but their pick for Magneto was Rudger Hauer. And uh, it's really funny because at the time, the X-Men cartoon show on Fox was on. And um, mm-hmm. there were a lot of episodes where they, they had Magneto on and he didn't have his helmet. He would uh, take it off oh, and he yeah. had like long yep. flowing white locks. Yeah. And uh, it's really funny. And I know this is ridiculous, but I swear to God, I don't think she'd admit it. But my mom totally had a crush on Magneto without his helmet on. <laughs> like, full-on crush. Like, for sure. She does not listen to this podcast. It's fine. 
Um, so really funny podcast is. She just knows it's a thing we do sometimes. She doesn't even know what it is. Yeah, she doesn't know what it is. Um, yeah, so it's it's really funny, but like now at the so at the time I didn't really know who Rudger Hauer was when I when I read that, but my mom was like, "Oh my god, that's the most like I'm just she's from Fargo for oh, the story. Oh, G-Bab. What a handsome man. What a man. great choice there for for Mr. Magneto at the the locks there. Oh my gosh. No, do you think my Magneto's got a wife? My heart. <laughs> oh, jeepers. So, uh anyway, I I'm I'm thinking back and I'm like, "Yeah, God damn it. You know, I, 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 I love Ian McKellen, but oh my God, if, yeah. if we could have gotten Rudger Hauer when he was like in his like late 40s would have been perfect. Yeah. Absolutely perfect. I agree. Yeah. Would have loved That would have been flawless. That could have been mm-hmm. like that Magneto that you, you know, you love to hate, but yep. you can see his point. And then when he comes around, maybe at the end of the story, you're like, oh, my God, he's the best character by far. Ever. So that's what I got. So what nice. about you, Retroids? What do you think? If you had to pick one, one existing role, what would you have liked to have seen Rudger Hauer in? I think uh, it's fun just thinking about it. I feel like there's uh, numerous other ones, but hey. Yeah, when, you were, when you were about to give you uh, your choice, and you're like, oh, going back to the time with my mom, I thought you were like, I want him to be my dad. <laughs> Want me to be the role of my dad, Mom? Why didn't you? Why didn't you pick him in the role of my dad? Uh, Rutger, my mom had, I choose you. My mom had crushes on the weirdest people. Jackie Chan. Jackie did she Chan. Have a crush on Jackie oh, Chan. Oh, she did. You know she did. Who has a crush on Jackie Chan? Mom. Jackie just Chan's, mom. Jackie Chan's just cute. He's just like a cute He's just little lovable. guy. He's I just mean, a cute lovable. little lovable little kung fu master. Anyway, all right, so uh, those are our answers, and now it's your turn to tell us what you think. This week's Octoponder This. Uh, and, hey, you know, uh, we're not that new, but we're doing pretty good. We're on episode 18 right now, but, uh, you know, we still love to hear from you guys and uh, what you think of the show and ha- tell us how we're doing. So, uh, you know, by all means, please find us online. We are on Facebook. We are on the Twitters. We are on the Instagrams, the IGs, as the kids say. Uh, really, if you just look up Redoctopus or Retro Redoctopus, you will definitely find us. I, I'm not going to keep holding your hand every time. Um, but, you know, you can also email us at Redoctopus at gmail.com, though nobody does, but you can. Although Adam Letourneau did that one time, which is pretty awesome. Shout so thanks, out. Adam. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. So it looks like it's about, about that time. About that time, guys. Uh, sun's getting real low. About that time to catch the horizon. But hey, before we say goodbye, let's go to this. You got your spiked gauntlets, you got your bullet belt, you got your leather jacket and your denim, you got your hairspray, well put them on, cause it's time for another edition of Power to the Metal. How's it going everyone? I hope you guys are enjoying the episode thus far, and on today's segment of Power to Thy Metal, I would like to bring up this little band called Empire. Uh, they're not really retro. Uh, they started off in uh, they started up in the 2000 by former Majesty guitarist Rolf Monks or Munks M U N K E S. I don't know how you would pronounce that. Um, and he was joined by bassist Neil Murray, which you may know played on the Tony Martin era of Black Sabbath. And uh, singer Lance King, and you might know him from. Uh, uh, Balance of Power and Paramaze uh, and drummer uh, Drell, Drell Clues K 
K-L-O-O-S. I don't know what where he's from. But uh, they recorded their first album, Hip, Hypnotica, in 2001. And in 2003, they published another album with the addition of ex-Black Sabbath member, which I just brought up, Tony Martin. So he played on two of their albums, Trading Souls, which came out in 2003, and The Raven Ride in 2006. Uh, I honestly prefer The Raven Ride over uh, Trading Souls. That's just me. Um, and they also uh, added a keyboardist named Don Airy. And uh, so he, Airy left the band before recording the, uh, the third album, which was uh, uh, The Raven Ride. And uh, uh, Brainfart, uh, with the exception of Airy and a new drummer, uh, Andre Hilgers, they released another album called uh, Chasing Shadows. And they employed a new singer, Doogie uh, White, which is awesome. I love Doogie White. He's really, really cool. Um, white, white. Quite white. So I believe that's pronounced Huite? Huite? So what kind of music is this exactly? Um, they are, uh, well, considered heavy metal, but I, I kind of want to say like the first two albums are not heavy metal. They're more like hard rock. They kind of want, they're trying to be like a modern day Deep Purple. Okay. Um, the first two albums are just okay. They have like a, a couple songs I liked, but on the Raven Ride, that's when they started to get more heavy and... And I really, really enjoy that one. And so, so Tony Martin sings on two. He sings on the Trading Souls album, which isn't really very metal, and then the Raven Ride, which is more metal. Cool. So it's really cool. It was kind of funny because when I first heard heard of this band, I found them on Spotify, and uh, the first album that I listened to was the newer one, which was Chasing Shadows, and that came out in 2007. They haven't done anything since, unfortunately. Um, so I, I was like going backwards and uh, listening to the Raven Ride, and I'm like, huh. This guy sounds awfully like Tony Martin. <laughs> that is so bizarre. Like, he went to the school of Tony Martin. Sounds amazing. Like, Whoa, he's even got the same name. It's crazy. It is crazy. Holy crap. <laughs> this guy's an imposter. <laughs> yeah, so I love Tony Martin. Guys. You looked him as, up and was like, they do. share a Facebook page. Holy shit. They have the same mom. Uh, what? They look nothing alike, though. That's weird. Their mom is Mrs. Martin. What the? That's because you're thinking of of young Tony Martin. That's why. Because oh, yeah, he yeah, looks nothing young like, like, now, <laughs> Tony like now Tony He looks right. nothing like he did 20 years ago. That is true. <laughs> right, right. That's what happens when you age. Um, so my song recommendations for you guys would be, I'm going to name one song off each album that, that I enjoy the most. Off the first album, Hypnotica, You're All I'm Looking For. And uh, for Trading Souls, Back in the Lights, The Raven Ride, Carbon Based Life Form, which is kind of funny. Just, no, cause <laughs> that's like you guys. It's like you guys, you know. And uh, for Chasing Shadows. Carbon Based Cohorts should be a song. <laughs> should be, right. Yeah, we, we should make that happen. I actually. think so. Um, and off Chasing Shadows would be the title track, Chasing Shadows. Cool. So that's all I got for this week's Power to Thy Metal. Awesome. Nice man, Brad Bruh. So I actually have not heard these guys at all, and uh, I I know I definitely will check them out. Uh, I'm I mean I I like I like Tony Martin. I like I, I mean know. I love to hear. Yeah. I love Tony Martin. Yeah, everyone except uh, everyone except everyone in this room. Ha- you know, hates the album Tear from Black Sabbath, but everyone well, here. Yeah, everybody it. in this room, the four of us love, love Tear. It, yes. We. <laughs> <laughs> And the people who hate Tear, they love Born Again, which is weird. That's, you're thinking of only one man. Right. You're thinking no, of the no, only I'm person saying, no. on the planet no, 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 no. that loves Born Again. Because that's just, there's only one person. No, actually, there is there's a lot of people who do love that. There's one person I know of. 
that 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 we know personally right. know that loves Born Again but hates Tear. But I have read that other people don't like the Tony Martin era right. albums, yeah. but love Born Again, yeah, which I will never right. freaking understand. Well, they're entitled to their wrong opinions. Exa- <laughs> yes, that's how I look at it. Uh, shout out to Rick Johnson. Not that you yes. listen to the podcast. Shout out. Okay, so uh, I think we'll uh, we'll wrap it up there. If you guys are if you guys are all set, I sure am. I'm oh. good. Are you finished? We, because we I am. we good. Nice. Well, you know, uh, you know, we really dearly hope you haven't jumped ship by now. And uh, if you haven't, we, we really hope you enjoy this week's journey over the treacherous waters of all the things that made growing up awesome. If you like what you've heard, please hit that little subscribe button and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and the, and the gram. And nice. the grammy gram, as the kids don't say. The, the Actually, ins, real quick, I wish I thought of this an hour and a half ago, but Rutger, how are you doing? Ooh. Okay, I'm done now. Nice. Nice. Show's over. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Retro Redoctopus is part of the Inebriart Podcast Network. So, if you get a chance, please check out our sister shows like The Old Colony Cast, Bar Talk, and of course, Inebriart as Andy and Fish chat with local artists over, over a couple of cold ones. For more information or to subscribe to us or any of these great shows, please visit inebri-art.com. I have been your host of the moment, Parasite Steve. A.K.A. Steve of Destruction, though sometimes Boss Rush calls me that. It was one time and I took it back. But anyway, we hope you have enjoyed this uh, particular episode that we just did. And uh, it is indeed a sad thing that your adventures have ended here.